Ew. Smells like it's time for another Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. Good luck, studio. Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Oh, there's going to be some drama ahead. All I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. Hello. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? <laughs> Boy, he's not all that shy. is right. Blimey, <laughs> Governor. It's the Shy Life Podcast. Hello. Excellent. <laughs> 649 Hello welcome to yet another episode of the Shy Life podcast with me Paul the Shyetti. How are you doing? I'm all right. So what's going on in this episode? Well, um we're, we're going to be a bit random which is most episodes, but no, uh, we've got two guests. We've got Mr. Nick Goodman's here. Hello. And Mr. Toppy Smelly's here. Mm-mm-mm. These biscuits are really good. Do you have any more jam? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, just okay. help yourself. Right. Um, Another jamming session. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do some random questions, but, uh, well, we're going to do something else as well. But let's run the theme music. When we come back, we'll tell you a little bit more. Run that theme music. Darling, it's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> yes, well, it's a positive statement for The Shy Life, the Shy Life. You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Um, I'll, I'll go anyway for a potato. Delicious. Hello, campers. How are you? You quite like a big pan, don't you, Paul? Oh, yeah. Go Shy Yeti. Oh, my God, never find out my secret. Maybe he has. I love the Yeti's because it's my favourite thing. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Yeah, I, I am strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. I could eat my body weight in crisps <laughs> every day. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? It's all gooey and juicy. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Marvellous. Marvellous, Paul. Hi there. Uh, 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 Toppy, uh, there's a load more jam in that cupboard over there. If you if you run out of that jam. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Um, this is this is the best green room ever. Um, yeah. I mean, I know I'm not in the green room anymore, but no. now I'm here in front of the mic. But anyways, lots of good food in there. Thank uh, you. Is there anything else I can get for you, sir? Anything? Uh, uh, yeah. Coffee, that would be great. And oh, um, oh, just Mr. Goodman, uh, no, I'm fine as I am. Thank yeah, you. Right. The pool, just, no. uh, splash a little um, whiskey in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. Well, I'll let you get on with it. Oh, sorry, listeners, I didn't realize you were here. Well, uh, thanks, Yeti Uncle John. Um, so yes, listeners, uh, we're going to do some random word, um, sort of chat, see, see uh, what uh, stories we might come up with. We might do some of those. Would you rather do this or rather do that? But also, um, Toppy, I believe you've been to um, a, a, a science fiction convention recently. So I think we're probably going to talk about our, our 
experiences, both yours and Nick and I, who we went to a lot of conventions back in the day, but uh, oh. we'll, we'll return to that in, in a bit. So, Toby, you, you've probably heard the episodes where Nick and I have done random word discussions, like we, we have three words and you can, if you think of an anecdote which relates to any of them, yeah. you kind of spill your heart out. Um, okay. So I've got the first one up and you can decide which of these you're, you you can talk about if if it if it triggers any memory if not then that's fine, but the three words I've got are relationship, steam, or indulge. So is there anything that any of those words triggers off for you? Um, who who would like to go first? Do you want to go first, Tom? Um, yeah, I'll go first. This is a you know wouldn't think of this, but quite honestly, steam immediately brought to mind a humidifier and I grew up with the humidifier in my room constantly because as a kid all the way up to high school I had what we call here the croup I don't know what you guys call it but uh, uh, certainly when I was a kid I got croup okay so you do have that word Mm. yeah it's this horrible breathing obstruction I don't even understand it now it's got nothing to do with asthma or anything, but it's something where apparent. I don't know what happens. To be honest, it's a. I don't know if it's a virus or a germ or whatever. But I would get it all the time, and it would severely restrict your breathing, um, and it, it was really frightening uh, on the earliest occasions. And then over the years, I completely understood it, and it didn't frighten me anymore. I would. Ju- I would just go into my mother's room and say, Mom, I've got the croup. And she would, in her sleep, go over and set the humidifier up, which I guess is what people did. Anyways, steam, humidity, the croup. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I must admit, I don't think I've heard the, the word for years, but I do remember it with childhood um, ailments. Um, but certainly, yeah, we croup, croup definitely, yes. I am familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And here's the thing, it would come on at night and then disappear during the day. Mm. And then the next night it would be back. I have no freaking clue what it was, but it's definitely a childhood thing because by by high school, I remember having the last few times I ever had it. Never had it as an adult, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Nick? Which of those, which oh, of those words? I mean, definitely drawn to relationship. Uh-huh. Um, I Basically, I you know, when I left school, um, I went to an all boys school. I left in '85, and um, my one there were two things I wanted to do when I, left, apart from getting a job, um, was to write and and most more urgently to get a girlfriend. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I I left school. School does not prepare you for relationships. It's yeah. woefully inadequately, and I, I I suspect it probably still is. Um, I left school not you know you 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 divorce from the the opposite sex um you know or, or sort of or any kind of connection um for a, for five the last five years on on pain of getting the cane um but so i went into my first job and there was this a girl called kim who was, was quite good looking and I, I you know i trotted around doing jobs for her all day long and only discovered she had a, a, a husband and kids and um, you know, I, I, I was I was sort of 
in a fun call evening about this. And I thought, you know, well, hadn't it occurred to you? You know, kind of, I was so naive. And I just, you know, I, I, I didn't get a girlfriend until, I, until 1990. And, um, you know, I, I just, it just didn't happen. And, and I, it, it, I was quite sort of yearning for one for years. And um, I was engaged at 25 because I, th- nearly 25, because I, I thought, um, you know, I, I, I've got to get married, you know, I'm nearly 25, <laughs> which it seems ludicrous now. Um, but, and, and it wasn't really later until I, but I valued all the relationships I had. Um, and I still look back on them fondly, probably too, more fondly than I really should, mm. uh, even though I've been married for nearly 20 years. Um, and uh, even now, you know, I, 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 I think wistfully about them. So relationships have always been important to me. And even in the sort of, when I was a kid, I, I liked the idea of having a girlfriend. Um, somebody, uh, actually, um, a friend of ours, Richard Morley, he, he did a, a few, one of Paul's films, one of mine. And in fact, he had two of Paul's things because I, I directed one, I directed him one. Um, but he, I, I brought him up for a film once and he actually, before, we, we had to read through in a pub. And before he's, I'd known him a little bit, and he said, um, before we started, he said, my sister tells me that you were her first boyfriend. And, hmm. and sure enough, I, this, and this would have been summer of 76, which was, would have been before he was born. Hmm. Um, there was a little girl called Kerry who lived across the road. And the road was, was sort of the big no-no because there was a big dual character. Well, it wasn't. It was a main road, but it was quite a busy main road. And we were not allowed to cross it as kids. So I was allowed to, you know, sort of, I was escorted over, and I, I spent time with this little girl over the road who I would talk to, but I, I didn't realise until 1998 that I'd gone down in history as a boyfriend. <laughs> I'm quite proud of that. So there yes, of all sorts of relationships, and I won't go into any sort of detail, <laughs> but um, it, it, it's relationships are always something that I'm I've treasured. Mm-hmm. That was nice. I got a quick follow up. Because um, you said you think wistfully of uh, older relationships or relationships gone by. Do, but does that include, like, for example, just a relationship that ended very bitterly, very badly? Do you, think, are you able to think wistfully? Yes. Uh, I, you, you think of the good time. You, 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 uh, there was certainly one relationship that, that, that did end nastily. But I... I yeah, I mean, there's there's one, I mean, there, there are ones, I, there's one that I'm still very close friends with, one that I'm pretty good friends with. One is dead, um, and the other one doesn't really bother with me at all, um, in turn, even as a friend. Um, and it's the one that doesn't really bother with me at all that I did the, probably the most, you know, quite a lot of creative stuff with, which hurts even more. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are... And they, you know, they, they, they crop up and dream. You wouldn't want to. You probably wouldn't want to go out with them now, but um, they were part of your life. And also, all these people that say all these jokes and cheapskates at one's ex. Um, mm-hmm. I do. I never quite got that because these are all people. I mean, unless they get violent, then the whole. I mean, I've never. Thank God, I've never had that. And um, I. It does. It that that really turns it on its head a bit, and and gets it and spoils it, but. Um, something or any kind of abuse come to that. Um, mm-hmm. but when, when it's 
at the end of the day, they're people you've loved. Um, and, you know, it, it, even if you've kind of fallen out of love with them in that way, they are a very shiny part of, they have been a very shiny part of your life. I've, I've had it quite difficult to remember the bad times. I only remember the good times, mm. or I remember the things that were so good about it, and it's a shame that it's, Mm. It, it's the, that, so. that changed um, ah. although that person doesn't exist in the way they used to mm. they're completely it's like they might as well be, there was be a different person <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that um, I think all bar one all bar one of my sort of proper relationships is kind of got a, a preservation I was going to say preservation order pre preservation of some kind on on the Sutton Park episodes because mm. um, I think uh, that my first girlfriend with was just a, a bit after, but she features as a friend in Sutton Park throughout. Um, my first appearances was my then second girlfriend, then fiance. There is a, a certain part of Jill, the, the one that died on Sutton Park, when uh, like a behind the scenes thing that Paul will film surreptitiously, and mm -hmm. the storyline with my. The one before Ali, but there were well, there are other relationships which were like almost flirtations where we 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 never actually became an item, but we we loved each other like an item, um, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. I mean, the, it, you 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 never forget the love um, mm -hmm. and the good times, and and even music and things like that, um, mm -hmm. or even ones that you would have liked to have gone out with and never did. You know, there's there's a certain magic about it um, that. You know, I've, I've never quite left me, even even though, I'm, as I say, I'm quite happily married. But mm -hmm. one should never forget the love. Uh, I'm, I'm, it actually worked out quite well because Toppy did Steam and Nick did Relationship, and, and actually, I'm going to do Indulge. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to do it like that. Like that but uh, um, Indulge makes me think. Well, it's two things. Partly, it makes me think of those massive wonderful, exciting uh, buffets in Vegas, those big food halls with all the mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd start sort of filling your plate up and then you'd sort of look around and realise you'd only just done like a, about a quarter of it. <laughs> and the plate was like, oh, well, I'm going if I could, if I could eat all that's on that plate, I'm going to have to go back and try something in the next quarter. <laughs> those chilies that we we discovered on that hall that, that uh, the mouth was on fire for a whole afternoon when <laughs> drinking so much orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but the one time I, I can think of that I did overindulge uh, was it was because um, when I, when I was at university in Birmingham, I lived in a particular house, and then when I finished university, I went away and applied for jobs and then got a job back in Birmingham again. And rather, uh, it was a bit of a sort of, well, it's nice to be back up there because I was still doing Sutton Park. It'd be, it was nice from that point of view to know you, I better have another six months of filming in that location. Mm -hmm. But the, the, I didn't have lots of friends at university. I had one or two and then it went down just to one because people dropped off courses. And I, you know, I got on fine with people on my course, but a lot of them were Birmingham, People, people—they just went home to their own. They weren't necessarily looking. They weren't necessarily there to to make fr friends. And I, I was never in sort of halls of residence. So when I came to do this six-month job, I, I did a, approach my old landlord to see if my room was still available. I thought, well, I'm not going to have the people there necessarily, but it would be nice to be in a familiar circumstance or surroundings. And um, 
sure enough, my room was free. So I went back there for six months and it was a longer commute than, you know, a couple of buses. But I, I listened to I just listened to the morning radio. It's about the only time in my life I've ever listened to morning radio on the on the bus. And but that six months came went quite quickly. But before I left, my dad was going to pick me up. I, I thought I must go and have because I, I like curries, but in Birmingham they're also known for bulties, which are kind of curry, but you tend not to eat them with rice. You in, tend to eat them with naan bread, and, um, and, and so I thought oh, I'll treat myself. And I was still sort of packing up my room, and it wasn't a big room, but I, I had packing to do before my dad picked me up. And I was on the third floor or something, so it, it, it was sort of you wanted to pack as quick so, so you could get everything back down um, to the car relatively quickly. So you wanted to pack quite tightly. Um, although I was younger then, I was younger then, I could do those stairs, but um, but I. I yeah, I definitely overindulged. I ordered far too much and <laughs> ate it. And then I don't know if I was drinking wine as well, but I really <laughs> sort of bloated up and, and to the point I could barely move. <laughs> I, I, it was very delicious, but I had to kind of just say to myself, I, I think the only thing I can do is go to bed and wake up early in the morning um, to finish the packing. I can't get the rest of this packing done tonight because I I, I just need to just not <laughs> turn the light off and lie in a dark room. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I still Been there. That. Been yeah. there. Yeah. I, I still remember that. And that was 1996. So, um, so, so yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure there have been plenty of other times I've overindulged, but uh, that mm-hmm. one sticks in my mind. Well, uh, my my friend Mannion and I, over the last couple of years, have re- repeatedly go to what we call the place that we dare not mention by name. <laughs> and as soon as we say that, we both know we're talking about the Chinese buffet, ah. which is open for lunch and dinner. And it's kind of a bargain. It's It's not expensive. And you can eat all you want and there's a lot of selections although i have to say i'm not sure how many authentically chinese <laughs> recipes are in there we'll be chinese tonight. yeah we uh we were in a different city far away and we found a chinese buffet and we said oh our favorite thing we went in it was exactly the same <laughs> the same food prepared exactly the same way so obviously you know there's a company behind you know that provides these foods to any buffet chinese restaurant that wants them anyways you know you do, you don't go to that place and come out slightly still hungry you know you go there and you eat and of course, we're always stuffed, and we always say, "Oh, I should have stopped ten minutes ago." <laughs> <laughs> um, right? Shall we try? I might give us might give us five words this time, so we've got a bit more. Although that worked out, that worked out very nicely. We all did a different one. Um, right. Um, okay. Sometimes I think, shall I roll the dice again? Um, <laughs> the words aren't always. Well, um, never well let's let let's see. We got uh, remind, um, detector, consolidate, photograph, or offend. Ooh. That inspires. If not, then I, we 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 are allowed to roll mm-hmm. again. But 
anything is there anything in there that inspires you well i had something grab me how about you nick i i mean photo i think yeah. probably is the most obvious one that that, that um but yeah, I I think photo probably. Let's yeah. keep let's keep let's let, let's try for it then. Keep, um, keep our our extra roll for another well, photo. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've thing is as you know, I've become a bit of a a treasure hunter in my old age um, of memories and things and people's and and as Paul knows, I I, I seek out and root out um, old tapes and digitalize them and print so we can use them again. Um, but photos was is just something also I'm, I'm also interested in. Um, I began photography, I suppose, in about 1979. I have a picture which I took on my mum's old. Um, it's a very famous type of camera, so famous I've forgotten it. Um, but yeah, the slide. She used to take slides, and uh, I sh and I said to her once in the summer of '79, "Well, can I take one?" And, and I took a photograph of my mother which I think is on Facebook now. And um, she, yeah, about like, the following year. Anyway, um, I any any kind of old photograph excites me. Um, and and I, I like to preserve them for people as well, you know, because I keep everything on scanned and on a hard drive and, and, and put as many as I can on Facebook old ones, um, ones from the family, ones, you know, and, and um, I encourage other people to do that. And um, I particularly, I think it was, was it last year, a couple of years ago, um, a friend of mine who I've known for over 50 years, he was in a playgroup with me. And he said, I've got, you know, I, I posted up some photographs, some slides that my mum did of my last years of playgroup 50 years ago today. And not today, not what am I talking about? 50 years ago this year. And... Um, and my friend Kevin, who, who I knew, knew from that time, said, oh, I've got some. I said, is that you in the Ring of Ring of Roses? And he said, no, it isn't. But I have. My mum's got a, a picture. Um, I thought, oh, you know, could you ask your mum to dig it out? And, well, and, you know, and, and of course, when he did, I, 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 I'm there in I, I, the toffee-coloured stripy T-shirt, the kind of thing I hung around with, and you think, oh, yeah, kind of thing. And... Um, there I was in the summer of 73 with some very basin uh, hairdos on everybody and everybody looking very 70s and kids out in, sort of bare, you know, kind of stripped to the waist at some point. Um, and, you know, they, you would not get that these days, you know, that everybody <laughs> protected from the sun and everything. What's <laughs> interesting, I mean, this is going off at a tangent a little bit, but um, the clues you can see in photographs of, of the time um, and certain things in the background and details, and because there's um, some more, um, next to where I went to play group, the preschool, um, it was uh, St Edmund's Church, which in 1972 was deconsecrated, and it, it's now the art centre. And um, in the in the back of the photograph, with me and, and my friend Georgina, there's all these pews, these uh, church pews. And I did wonder whether they, they might have been ripped out of the church when it was deconsecrated. Um, so it's, it's just little questions that you kind of get you thinking when you're looking at an old photograph. But I'm always excited. And there's one with um, Paul's, Paul's friend Harry, who I knew from birth onwards. Um, there's a picture of him, his local enemy, 
and myself at the age of <laughs> almost dodgy the fact because I was, I was like nine at the time nearly 10 and there I was in with this paddling pool with these youngsters um, it, it would look a bit dodgy these days and um, yeah there's, uh, his Harry's dad found this this photograph of us and that was a lovely summer I'm, I'm, and I, I, I treasure that photograph because you know it's sort of uh, one that I hadn't we hadn't got in our collection so mm-hmm. every little the whole a whole uh, photos present especially old ones and new ones I, I treasure as well especially if, if you photograph people that you you only just met or, or just of old friends or and um, I'm always troubling people for a photograph um, and sometimes they need persuading and and sometimes they don't need persuading but they well, they shouldn't need persuading but they had to be persuaded anyway Mm-hmm. Uh, one time last year, I was I had my sister and my brother-in-law staying, and I said to um, to a, to a, you know, well, can I have a photograph? And she goes, why? And I go, because you're my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't. You shouldn't have to ask why, you know. And um, so yeah, photos have a certain. Amount. I've always been vaguely interested in photography. I've never got very technical, and I've never been particularly brilliant at it. But I do. I do love a good photograph. I must. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, what about you, Toby? Which of those words inspired you? Oh, I'll, I'll just say something about photographs first. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's it's something that's really changed here in America because it's all digital now and it all exists on your phone. And, you know, some people back it up and preserve it and some people, you know, I dare say they probably haven't looked at any of their photos they took four or five years ago, and no, nor has anyone else. And, you know, my family had shelves of huge photograph mm-hmm. albums where you, once upon a time, you had to develop the picture and you'd get it on a piece of photographic paper and you would put it in a photo album. And every once in a while someone would look through the photo album and they would see these. Well, now people share it on social media and the way social media works is sure. You see it that one day, but you'll never see that photo again. (laughs) Unless it, unless, you know, you have something like Facebook has a reminder, like they bring, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but anyways, it's, it's, it's just not the same because they're not, they're not in a book somewhere. My niece does something every year, and I think more people should do this and think about it more. These photos that you have on your camera, you can go to a place, and not for a lot of money, you can create, like this book, of photos from that year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that doesn't mean every single photo you've taken is worth putting in there, but you select them, mm. and then you can print them out fairly cheaply, and give them to people. Uh, it's nice. It's nice idea. We we did that with um, my my great niece. Um, we came to visit my church, and um, she she we had we did a photograph session with her, looking around it, and we, we turned all those photographs into a book and gave them to my mum. Um, yeah. So that that yeah, it's quite, but it, it's the same over here. Everything's everything's gone digital. I I myself we 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 switched over to. Pretty well, mostly digital, in um, about two thousand five or six. Um, but I always make sure that we have it backed onto the hard drive. You know, I, I make a point of 
you know, all that photograph you took, Ali, you know, the last lot of photographs that you took on your phone, can you, we transfer them to me and I'll, I'll, pres I'll, I'll I'm, I, I'm very conscientious about keeping all the photographs we've taken in on our hard drive and making sure that, you know, it's, it's there in the correctly, the right, the right month of the right year and you know I'm, I'm i'm a bit pedantic like that so yeah I, I, you you have to keep a tabs on um preserving them i'm i, I certainly would yeah say please please back them up people's because you never know and, I, and don't, don't lose anything and and just what you said is a lot what's happening now is okay i've got photos of ancestors that go back to the dawn of photography when mm. they were when you had a derogotype which is uh, basically an image on glass. Okay, we have those. Mm -hmm. They've been handed down. And usually on the back is at least a name. Mm -hmm. Okay, at least a name. Well, there are tons of photographs being taken today where there are no names recorded. Mm -hmm. And people are going to look at them in the future and go, who's this? I don't know. It means That's nothing to me. Very, very important point because I, I now I've got you know I try and put as many names on that on those photographs as at all possible because of exactly what you said you know if you if you don't watch it the it's like the the photographs I inherited from my parents going with ancestors going back to the, well photography going back to the Victorian uh, days with uh, our, a lot of our um, ancestors and um, there are old photographs and even the oldest have still got. They're not only tell you who the people are, but it tells you how they died. Um, mm. There yeah, was, was these thing. two two little girls, and I mean, infant mortality was as high in those days. And it actually, um, I, I think it's from my mum's side of the family. It said this this um, this person had scarlet. This girl had scarlet fever and kissed this girl, and she died three days later. You know, real tragic sort of um st stories but um there they are somebody's taken the effort to put that on the, the back the weird, the weird thing is and i don't know what happens to the photos after whether they are being kept somewhere but my niece's generation seem to have a very weird relationship with say things like instagram so my, my niece she'll put photos up over the year and then at the start of the next year she'll wipe it clean and start afresh Oh no! That's just that's just bizarre because to me Instagram is or anything like even the Facebook photos. It's a it's a a, a, a history of my last ten years or whatever. It's yeah. a, you want to see the you want. I mean, I know she's at the age where her, her looks are changing. She's going from a, a child to a young woman. She's changing what she looks like. But that's that's the fun of it. I mean, if if anything, that, you know. You know those of us who are a bit older, we probably haven't changed that much in the last 20 years. We might have aged a bit, but we haven't got... Some Some of my younger friends, who were perhaps teenagers in the noughties, you can see how they've gone from being scrappy little kids to being, uh, like, mid-30s, whereas tw 20 years ago, we, we, we just looked younger. We didn't, we didn't necessarily... We weren't necessarily having crazy haircuts or or, or, or outlandish fashions, whereas when, you, when you're... Maybe when you do when you're a teenager... Um, my my niece likes um, things like RuPaul's Drag Race. She likes that sort of makeup type stuff, and she'll make herself up in that sort of makeup which the drag queens are using. Um, and she likes all the So it's a shame that oh, it's not there anymore. When you look at it, I don't know whether she's kept them somewhere else on a drive. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, so I hope so. My, my friend Maria um, says that she's got hardly any um, pictures of her childhood, you know, because they moved from place to place and things got lost and everything. I find that desperately sad. Um, I, I, you know, I'm lucky in that my fo- my parents not only took photographs, but until about 90, 1981, they took good photographs. They, they took them on slides. So we've got sort of a lot of our childhood in good, fairly good quality. Um, a selfish part of me would like to say, I, I wish they'd extended that to cine film because I'd love to have had a cine film with some of the, um, you know, from, from my childhood. But you can't win them all. But, you know, that's what, so I'm really, really lucky to have that because some, some people just don't have that. What's interesting is when I came, because of course when my, I got my, all of mum's photographs, I didn't keep them all, but I, I, I scanned them all in, every single one. And um, uh, from the 80s onwards, they start, mum, both mum and I started using rather cheapo cameras. So the, the picture quality on those 80s ones aren't so good, which I kick myself over my sort of middle teen, latter teenage years, which were a very important part of my life. I wish I'd been better quality photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's, it, you, yeah, you, you've, got to, you've got to work to to actually preserve them these days. Well, well, well I mean, um, one, one of the things I used to have to do when I was at the college was that, um, I, I don't know, it was coming up to the anniversary of, of the college at one, one point, and somebody said, oh, what do you have in your archives of, of photos of, hi- of history of the college? Well, in the time that my boss and I had been there, nobody had ever asked that. And, you know, you can't expect somebody in 2005 to be responsible for whether photos from the 1960s were kept or not, mm. if they never had been. And so I said, well, I'll go and have a look and see if we have anything. Mm. Well, I, so I started putting putting together a, a, a sort of list of what we did have. And, you know, considering it was the sort of college it was, there, there were royal, royal visits and things like that. So uh, what I did discover, and through talking to various people, it would appear that at some stage these photos, the, the, like the earliest photos, had ended up in our archives. We, but we also put a call out around the college to say, does anybody else have like photos from more recently, which you know we're trying to put, we're trying to keep them all in one place. Um, and you'd, you'd often have people coming in and kind of having no interest in the history. They were just coming and doing a job for a couple of years. They're very, very senior. They might have been the secretary of the college. They might have been the chief of staff. They'd be like, oh, what's this in my drawer? Or what's this in my show? They've just been there. And, and what had happened as well, it, um, I think in the, in the mid-90s, they'd refurbished the college and moved the whole college for a couple of years or, or a year or something to another building. And um, a lot of photos that had happened to have been in a particular office from the 80s, Weirdly, mm-hmm. we had we had quite a lot of photos from the 60s and 70s, but the 80s was badly represented because, for some reason, somebody had been very clingy and held on to the photos. And yet, when we done they'd done the refurbishment, it all gone in a skip and 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 was gone forever. And, and you know, we'd have to say this is the responsibility of everybody. You can't blame the library for not having those photos if they were never given them. We weren't even working here in the 80s, so um, it's very frustrating trying to keep an archive of photos when not everybody's got the same or doesn't have the same level of importance on on those things being kept. Uh, two other things I can think of, actually, to say about photos. One is I, I, I do have a, a small but significant fa- fantasy hit list of photographs I'd like to track down. 
um, <laughs> one of which is um, my there's a school photograph well there's a photograph that was taken in the summer of 81 when I was finishing my last year at Highbury and our teacher was retiring so he took a photograph of us all um, as his last boys and um, I don't know whether that's that will ever pitch up somewhere but uh, I, I mean, he, he must be dead by now bless him or always totally ancient um, but the other thing is, uh, one of my first studio theatre, our local Andrams, I, I did a play in, 19, the, my first play that I played a part in was the heiress, um, Henry James's um, Washington Square, the, 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 the stage adaption of it. And I played a character in that. And they, there was a lovely black and white photograph taken of myself and a girl called Emma, who was playing my wife. And I thought, I really want a copy of that because it was my first show. And um, I ordered the copy from the, the lady who kind of got it, got them all printed in 1990. I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> so I, I imagine it's not going to come. But I'm working on a book with somebody uh, to, to involved with Studio Theatre. I say, if you f lay your hands on this photograph, I would love a copy because it, it, it was historical because it was my first show. And it's a, a full proper, full professional photograph. And I, I'd love to see it. The other thing is... Um, Funny how photographs come your way, because um, um, my mum went to Marbella in 1978 with the work and all her photographs came horribly overexposed. I don't know if <laughs> the sun got it into it. it you know, her, all her time in Marbella uh, was bleached. You know, it really was. However, there was another set of photographs um, that somebody took that were came out beautifully. Um, somehow my mum was given them um, because the guy got sacked and, and and these photographs were in his drawer and and mum, I don't know why she took them home, but they were all a heck of a lot better than hers. Um, mm -hmm. And in actual fact, when I was doing, I did a, a sesh with um, digitalising the, the, the slides. I actually, I didn't keep them, but I digitalised all these ones that were taken by this sacked bloke. Um, and looking at the scantily clad women he was hanging out with, I, I imagine <laughs> I get, it isn't too difficult to work out why he was sacked. Um, but it was it was a wonderful little random thing, and I, I thought you know, they're a lot better than man's photographs. I must admit, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing how how photographs, random photographs, can come your way. Toppy, I, I must apologise because we were going to do your word, but if it's not photograph, can I do my word next? because yeah, yeah. I was going to do photograph and talking because Nick says about photos coming your way. Um, I happen to have some photos that have come my way. Unfortunately, probably not being in the room, you won't be able to see them, but Nick's here. So I'll pass some of them over. Now, now um, the envelope says only 50 years ago. And, and that's not quite right because it's photos from my christening. Um, and, and I'm not quite 50 uh, yet, so I wouldn't have been christened until the summer, say, of 74. So it's not quite 50 years ago. But um, Would you like me to scan them back, back at base? Yeah, yes, yes, you could do. I can give them yeah. over to you. Um, I took a couple of, of shots with a, a couple of... Because my mum said, well, these are just copies that they gave to him. Uh, the, the, the guy who gave them was my godfather. And, and well, I had a godfather and a godmother, and my... Uh, Godmother is now in a, a home um, because she's unwell, but her husband, my godfather, um, was going through these photos as he was clearing out the, the flat, 
I think he's downsizing and, and sent these back to my parents. But they are photos, probably there are copies that we have. Although I did point out to my mum, there were a couple of coat like, um, what do you call those ones? Polaroids. Uh, Polaroids. That's so, a beautiful Polaroid. You know, they won't come, they, they, that, that must be, they won't be duplicates of those because you couldn't get duplicates of Polaroids. Um, the, the, the two Polaroids are a lot um, later than, 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 than the, the, the christening ones. That, that There's one by a boat, my, my mum and dad and, and my godmother by a boat because they used to own a boat. Um, that must be, I look quite small in that one, so that's probably seven, sort of mid-70s. There's one with me and my panda. Oh, panda, you, you, um, you, you mentioned the panda on, yeah. the, on another episode, didn't you? Yeah, and, and um, I must be about oh. five or six in that in that one. Um, actually, I think the, the jumper I'm wearing, I think might have ended up on, on one of my cuddly toys. I was very into cuddly toys. <laughs> it's like my chair's falling to bits. Oh, a jumper. <laughs> I love it. So just trying to just trying to repair Nick's chair. I've done a Goldilocks, I'm afraid. Uh, uh oh. <laughs> might be right. Might be right. I think alright. Yeah. I just have to sit very still, which is something I'm not very good at. Um, but the uh, I'm not sure if it was his christening as well, but um, the, the christening photos. Ha- uh, my cousin is there um, and he's a bit younger than me I don't know if he was being christened I don't know if they decided to get us both christened at the same time or whether he's just there because my uncle and aunt are there but um, there's a picture of me and my mum and um, Auntie Jessie who, oh, who um, Nick met many years ago and you're no eating what appears to be a, 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 a sort of insole of a uh, I'm, I'm chewing I'm chewing something um, <laughs> Um, oh, do let me scan these. No, yeah. I'll, I'll the cut, the cut, the colour has sort of washed out of them a bit, hasn't it? Sort of. It's not too bad though. Yeah. After all this time, uh, it's very uh, my very seventies. Aunt, yeah, auntie's wearing very seventies. This is the auntie that says, "Oh, I hope he hadn't found out my secret." Yeah. Do you think he has? Yeah. 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 So she, she's. Uh, <laughs> there's my gra- my grand's holding me. I, I'm the one. They're in beautiful very, condition. Um, and, and there's there's me with a a dog. One of those dogs that was um, you use like a. A draft excluder. I'm, I'm, oh I'm yes, oh, a sausage. Oh, we got one. Sausage dog thing. You can almost imagine you doing something part with that little feather. Oh, uh, probably yeah. Uh, There's a picture of me and my mum. Actually, I, I think uh, he's still around, isn't he? It might, it might, might be a version of him. That's such a lovely picture of your mum. Yeah. Um, it looks like you're holding a fish. The picture of my dad. I'm on the. Your left, dad hasn't yeah. changed much, has he? Yeah. Looks like a BBC presenter, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, is that the, the room? Yeah, down I, here. I, I don't. Was it pre? Think, I think it might be before we moved here. We didn't move here till seventy-five, and if that's seventy-four, although I noticed it's like what Nick says about um, things in the background. There's in there. Can you see the wall? There's that's a wall right. Which has got? How would you describe that wall? Oh, um, that that different kind of brick with the, the holes in. Holes in the, 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 the shapes in. I was going to ask my mum because we've got that. Something like that on the patio down there. So, did when they moved, did they take that wall, or did they just like that patio? That's amazing. And, and and I don't know. It's those little things that you kind of are, 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 are sort of give you questions. That's my meet me and my yeah. mum again. Um, I think this is. They the, are really nice quality as that's well. My, that's my gran, but it's my, my that's my dad's mum. Yeah. Um, who died in the mid eighties? Uh, but that, she's with my cousin in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my 
that's that's my the, next to Auntie Jessie is I think that's Uncle Jim, who is my dad's uncle and her husband. I don't I think he and my granddad both died in seventy four. So I thought there were some photos with my granddad in, but maybe it was Uncle maybe that's not true. Mm. But I think I, I technically I met Uncle Jim mm. and I met granddad but I don't remember, but the photos prove I did. So not that that's a I lot did, of consolation. Didn't, no, I, I didn't meet either of my mum's um, parents. And that's my auntie Sheila and my grand. Um, don't just bet your dad's always had an old face, isn't he? <laughs> well, he would have been. He would have been in his mid thirties. Yeah, at that point. Um, I've got a great uncle like that. I swear he. He was ageless. He uh, lived to be very, very old. But as far as I'm concerned, he looked the same 50 years ago as he yeah. did. You know, all this. I, it's a, an amazing, really, that he just had an older face. You so, can see in these, like, again, you're saying about clues, you can see I recognize that carpet. That carpet must have transferred over, cut, come with us to this house. Mm-hmm. Because, um, and it's that, still those, there, cur- isn't it? those curtains. Well, sometimes, sometimes I think the memory is sort of. Uh, you 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 picture you might be in a house and your your brain brain room. I sometimes think that about, have we still got those curtains? Oh, uh, those curtains are like impacted in my brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, the curtains we've got in this room that they, they, they've been around all all my life in different rooms. They, they, <laughs> they've still sort of you know they're a little bit tatty behind the inner the the inside. What do you call the 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 whiting or whatever it is? It's yeah, the inlay thing is kind of frayed. You couldn't see it from the other side. Um, uh, and, and they've survived many, many years. Oh, do, le- do let me scan these. Yeah. I, I, the last one I is can a, do it whilst you're, whilst you're yeah. at my place. The, the last one is a, a picture of me sitting on a... Oh, that looks like a very old-style car, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> that doesn't look like the 70s. That looks like... Uh, uh-huh. you know, I've, I've got some very... Um, I've got some nice little sandals and some really um, mid-70s trousers that and was, a tank top. What a lovely bunch of... So, uh, that's why I had to kind of say, and Nick said, how yeah. funny how photos come towards you. I have seen a lot of those before. Oh, magic. But, uh, they're an extra set to have. Um, sorry, Toppy. What sure. what of these words were you going to discuss? Oh, well, <clears throat> I, see, I, I just think that this is what is wonderful about photos, is just listening to you talk about them. It obviously brings back so many memories. Mm-hmm. And I... I I just think generations from now, the, those sorts of remembrances just aren't going to happen. Uh, I think it's a terrible loss. So, anyways. Yeah. So, the word I keyed in on was reminder. And, well, this is this will be short. But as I get older, I need more reminders. No. Uh, for example, I now cannot go from my apartment to my car without going back into my apartment at least once, if not two or three <laughs> times, because I forgot something. Yep. So, I mean, honestly, and the worst one, uh, uh, and I, I do mental reminders. I haven't yet gotten to the point where I leave post-it notes all over the place, but maybe that should be my next, <laughs> you know. But I have mental reminders, a, a mental checklist that I do. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, the worst one is what happens to men when they get to be about my age and 60 that we put on our pants and don't zip up. (laughs) What's that all about? (laughs) Because I do it practically every day. And 
as I'm walking, as I arrive at work and I'm walking to the sidewalk, I've, I've come, that's sort of like the thing that makes me see, oh, for God's sake, check your zipper. Well, nine times out of ten, it's not zipped. <laughs> and thank God, I, I that walk when when I when I'm on that walk, it's like a physical reminder. Oh, check your zipper. You know, yeah. at least there's that. But what the hell? I what? I never used to forget unzipping. God, I forget unzipping now. Actually, this reminds me of a, a time in London where we saw someone. Now, at least you, you might have forgotten to un, to zip up, but at least you got your trousers around the right way. <laughs> we we passed somebody in the um in London London Underground who not only had the zip undone but they had their trousers around the wrong way so they had their ass hanging out and and um, <laughs> we could we could look out there's a bum scare um but um yeah I mean I I have to say um I have that leaving the house oh you know and you've forgotten something usually usually um either a hat or I even nearly forgot my um, pass key at, at work. So I wouldn't have got very far. So yeah, you're, you're not alone in that. I'm always going back for things. Yeah. So that's me. I've got meant, I go through mental reminders and, and I think I need to graduate very soon to post-it note reminders. <laughs> I put, I, whatever I'm doing, I, I, I put in my diary at work. I kind of, um, I've got to do this, that and that and that and that. And I put I put reminders on my phone as well, a calendar on my phone. Talking talk about reminders, I mean, I know you, you uh, listeners, um, Toby, know that I, I found my 1990 diary. Uh, depending on when this episode goes out, there's, there's been an episode where Nick and I compare our 1990 diaries the same day. The, the same um, instance, uh, the same day, the, only yeah. interpreted in different ways. I, say, I don't know when that's going out because I had some diary entries that were before that, the 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 that haven't gone out, so I haven't going to put the episode out anyway. Um, oh boy, I, I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to yeah. be interesting. <laughs> uh, the, we, we will do more. It's just that I, I'm only I'm good. It's going to take us about five years to get through 1990 because I don't want a, the show to become the Paul 1990 Diary podcast. Sure, sure. Um, I, Here's I, the, I, sorry, uh, I was going I was going to ask you guys. Okay, I've kept a diary at different times in my life and you know, maybe for a year or whatever, and then it, and then I petered off. But this is what happens, is I eventually find that diary and read it, and I'm so horrified and embarrassed yeah. that I rip it up. Oh, How wow. have you kept yourself from being embarrassed? And oh, saying, I love my I, 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 I know what you, you, I know exactly where you're coming from, because not so much 1990, but um, when I was writing the books about the series... The, the series I did uh, with Paul and Joe, and um, I went back to my diaries to see exactly when I wrote things. And mm -hmm. about 1982, 83, 84, I really am quite horrified to see what um, a selfish little monster I was. And mm -hmm. when my dad was having a breakdown in, in 40 years ago, and I just wasn't sympathetic at all. It was just poor me, and I hated I hated school. I was hating what was happening to my dad. I was just in a miserable place, and I was a miserable person. Uh, I, I don't have many years, uh, and I certainly don't have know that I've got any other year that's as detailed as 1990. So I'm I'm like reading it, sort of like, what happens next? I'm like, like reading it like <laughs> normal. I don't remember any of this. Well, I do remember some. It's not fair. That's not true. It's just it's a very 
uh, it's been very eye-opening because a lot of things happened. It was almost like the year where I got freedom in that my parents didn't mind me going up to London to see friends and I, and I had a bit more freedom when I was going to the cinema. Things that seem very day-to-day when you do them um, all the you know all the time or maybe don't anymore but but once you have you know when they when you first start doing this and you first start getting that freedom it's a bit it's quite a big deal so it's a great year to have um it was an important year for me because it, it was first year i got a girlfriend I, I was very busy i was running the church young communicants i was running i was going to austria and paul and others like you know keith and everything, they were huge part of my life and socially i mean i, I get exhausted reading those because how did i how did i even sleep you know i, I, <laughs> I just there's so much we're doing and um, um i and I, I just thought my social life was busier then than it is now I, I'm, a, I'm a bit sort of my brother's not very well and i'm a bit like sort of like oh he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. um i am keeping a diary this year i was given a diary like a day-to-day very very small, um, very small diary. I'll, I'll show it to Nick so yeah. you can see what I mean. It it's not very, it's not very big spaces, like a you know, per day. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm literally, like I'm literally using it just for my handwriting isn't so good these days because of the rheumatism, so I don't want to write too much anyway. So I'm kind of maybe I've said oh talk to Toppy today yeah. or. Um, you know, did editing for this episode. It'll be more, it'll be more than I can remember in t- a year's time, no, in ten years' time, than I, you know, than if I don't write it. So I thought it was given to me. I'm never going to use it as a diary, diary because I'm just not very good at, you know, appointments and stuff like that. I'll write it down somewhere else, or I'll have it on my phone. So I thought if I'm going to have it, I'll, I'll make it a mini diary that, uh, you know, in. I, time I get to episode two thousand, I can dig it out again and read it. But uh, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have a little chat now about our experiences of of conventions because Toppy's recently been to a convention. Um, so we will come back to uh, this at the end of the episode, but uh, maybe not um, random words. But I would like to do a couple of would you rather questions. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, Toppy, you're going to tell us about um, about a convention. science fiction convention last weekend oh lovely in maryland which is about a five-hour drive from here um but uh that was uh my first time back since covid yeah it's a very small modest convention Mm -hmm. it's called farpoint and the only difference really are the guests and they usually nail at least one and this time it was wilson cruz um, the doctor on the new Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. Well, you guys know this. Here's the problem with guests. They come with nothing except a pen to sign autographs for money. <laughs> and then they do an hour in front of an audience. But what is that hour filled with? Questions from the audience. That's all they do. Every single time, every single one of them, they're there. They bring nothing with them, and it, then it becomes the questions from the audience. So the presentation is never yeah. – it's only as good as the questions from the audience. It's come, It's got to the point now where um, Ali and I would kind of go to – you know, if we, we see – if there's certain people going, we'll, we'll go – 
Um, but things like like the Doctor Who ones, the Doctors and Companions, you've kind of heard all the stories before. And uh, we we tend we tend to go for if guest stars, actors we like, you know, are going, we will we'll go. I know there was one there's one in Epsom which is quite a regular feature. Yeah. Now we went to the Paul and I went to the first one of that about five years ago, and it was a good convention. But I don't know. There's there's all sort you know if I'm if I'm busy or there's something on or you know I, I, I back in the day I used to drop everything for a convention. Now it really has to grab me. I might have gone yeah. if I'd heard people were going, but. I, I don't think many people that we know one or two are going, but not, not, yeah. not the not the most. I've got a feeling that was my last convention actually that I that I went to. I, I'm always I'm always up for another one. Also had a few bad experiences in autograph queues. Not all, not awful horrendous ones, but they're rude. But just where some guests were less enthusiastic, then you stood in the queue for three hours, and then when you get there, they're kind of barely saying a word, looking quite grumpy. They tended to be people who weren't that must be regulars on the circuit at the time like when i went and there was one of the one of the big finnish audios nick there, um, there was graham garden that's right and, yeah. and we went, went there and i he, remember you texting me saying oh like, it was really boring was really grumpy. really grumpy and i was going to get an autograph myself not not because of the doctor who connection but because of a series he was in in the 70s the goodies and he was just so unlikable or just so like why am i here sort of thing uh, I, I, I ended up sending the autograph I got for myself. My, my friend Kerry had asked for a, an autograph, so I got that, and I sent him my one as well. I'm, I don't want well, you I sent him your autograph. I sent him my one. Well, no, I, I, I autographed something for him. No, I sent him the one I... Yeah. I well, they didn't use to charge. They, you, you didn't use... It's, it's got a lot more um, money-grabbing as well. It has. Like, you, you, there was never any mention of you having to... You know, there's like, oh, if you're at a convention, you get one free, you might get one free autograph, and anything else you have to, yeah, you you have to buy. So you can't even bring a DVD cover. You have to buy their site, their their their. It just became a bit money. I think the the, the funniest signing I did was um the well the, the most unique signing I did was with um with Hem, where Henry Wolf, who was in the um Rocky Horror and played a villain in Doctor Who and was in a children's series called Words and Pictures, which was quite famous at the time. Uh, a very diminutive actor with a kind of voice like this. And um, he, we, we, we turned up at Chiswick, was it Chiswick or? Yeah, Chiswick Station. And as we went past, we noticed this little man looking at a rather crumpled Google map. And sure enough, it was Henry Wolfe. And we said, oh, hello, Henry. You go in the same place as we are. And of course, we had arrived to meet him at the convention so and we said well you know we'll walk with you and so here we were walking with this sort of living legend who discovered Pinter and went to school with Pinter and and sort of pioneered him um and and he was so natural and lovely and just sort of enjoyed being with us um Mm -hmm. and we kind of it was like going out going for a walk with your dad you know it was amazing and we got we had little adventures we we got we got into a taxi which was somebody else's taxi and we were turfed out and and we had a really nice chat with him and and then of course we we delivered him rather late to the um the signing and then we queued up to meet him (laughs) it was was surreal um but it it was just that was just a that was a magic time I i think the annoying thing I think it was the same convention, or it was certainly around the same time. The, the same one as the Grumpy Man. Um, there was Nicola Bryant who played a, a, who played a companion called Perry with Colin Baker, 
and I think she had an accident at the time where she'd fallen off the stage right, or yes. she was in pain and yet she stood she came and she stood up because it was more comfortable for her to stand up mm. she stood up for five hours or something signing mm. autographs the most you know generous think, wonderful that's right and, uh, and you think a, this person's sitting there being grumpy and he's got was, nothing to be grumpy about i think it was a dvd of vengeance on varos which was the doctor who tale that she was in but th- th- what made me laugh well, it sounds a bit sick to say made me laugh was um of course that also had um a disabled actor called nabil shaban playing sill the the alien and uh he can't stand up because his his legs are completely and um, you know is uh, uh they weren't developed properly so i thought to myself there's nicola who can't sit down and there's N- nabil who can't stand up um, <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah. look, some some people really make an effort and you uh, mm. at times the the, the experience convention guests yes make a big effort because they've done it and they and they it's obviously yeah they get paid. They, they do get they do get paid for it now ingrid pitt was i'd heard of stories that she was a bit um pushy and showy but she came to a, she she arrived at the convention straight from hospital where she'd been she'd had um pneumonia and a stroke double pneumonia and a stroke and mm-hmm. she really wasn't very well and she died later that year and um she was at, at an event in chiswick and she was literally between questions she was gasping for breath she really was in a bad way. And her husband was there and looked terrified. Um, and she actually saw each and every, against advice, each saw each and every fan, pose with each and every fan and signed for each and every fan. And um, I was just so impressed with that because there was this screen legend from the Hammer films and, and, she, and she was, no word of a lie, she was dying in front of your eyes. Um, and, and yet she was, she was giving it, still giving it all, real trooper. Yeah, there's... Yeah, it's it's a it's something really because there there really are stars that respect and and are glad to be around their fans. Yeah. Of course, the the darker side is an example is Stan Lee, uh, uh, the pub, previous one time publisher and editor in chief of Marvel Comics, mm. and he became very frail in his last years, and his wife had died now. His wife was the one who always took care of him, mm. right? And she wouldn't let anyone take advantage of him. Mm. And uh, she was really good at it. Well, she died, and then his daughter, who's not a very nice person, mm. and some lawyers and other people, dragged Stanley around to conventions to make thousands and thousands of dollars from his signature on things. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting there, and there are videos of this, it's tragic. He's sitting there not knowing where he is. Mm -hmm. He's just just shoving things in front of his face to sign. And they're saying, sign your name, sign your name. And he's just, and it's like, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, I must admit, uh, the, uh, t- another Hammer legend, Barbara Shelley. Um, she was at a signing we we went to in about two thousand and ten, and she was, of course, was quite a sex symbol and all that jazz in her time with the Hammer films. And she was she had I think she pretty well had a stroke, and she she was a, she got very confused and um, couldn't hear very well. And um, sort of shuffled off in, a, in one of the, you know, like a, a wheeler, 
and um, I, I went where well, she she eventually died about eleven years later. But I, I was amazed she lasted that long because she was so frail. And mm. I met her. Yeah, she, Nick and I, Nick and I met um, together. Uh, um, the only mem- the only cast member of Dark Shadows as I've ever met, Catherine Lee Scott. Oh, she was lovely. Because um, she- now she's a convention pro. Yeah, mm. yeah. She knows. She's one of them that's done it. She makes herself available, and sure, she has stuff to sell. Make yeah. no mistake, but uh, yeah. in, in two thousand, yeah, it was just. Uh, I don't even know what what the, I don't know with, why she was there. Uh, it must have been one of her books or mm. one of the Dark Shadows. But yeah. no, she was charming. Um, Dark, Dark Shadows just doesn't have that, or certainly didn't have that following. There wasn't. I don't remember seeing many other people there, whether we were early or late or no, whatever. No, um, you probably have seen her in. in other things she's been in that weren't like she was in Space 1999 mm. and things like that. But, and I think she's in a, I'm fairly certain she's in a Return of the Saint. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Well, I think she married, when she left Art Shadows, she married somebody and moved to Paris, I think. Mm. So she would, would have been more European based mm. by, by the early to mid 70s. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she shows up in a lot of odd things. She was, she's, just shows up randomly over the years on TV shows, um, in a in a in a small part. I mean, she was she was on an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the, I sympathize with them because most you know they travel most you know involves getting on a plane, leaving home, staying at a hotel, and you do all of that. And someone stands up and asks you for the five millionth time. Oh, uh, and, well, Mr. Cruz, in episode five of Discovery, when you were taken over by that alien, well, that was really cool. And then you said this, and the alien said that. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh my God! Um, they often have kind of they kind of it's not it's always not a question. It's it's a uh, a, a little a little monologue that they deliver to the person on the stage and then the yeah. person on the stage goes yeah that's right that's what happened like yeah. there was no question there was no question there the, there was one time where we, uh, i was at a convention with a, uh, there was a 60s top two companion in the net worlds and somebody with i think either learning difficulties or a speech impediment asked us question and it was really awkward because she couldn't understand a word he was saying and it's just sort of uh, can you and it's it's just it's about like it sounded like uh, when you were smoking in a coffin in scaro or something <laughs> <laughs> it's really poor on the net world to go uh, sorry what's he saying <laughs> do, do, do they do they do uh, like charity auctions at the ones you've been to because we that used to be a bit of a a thing people bidding for ridiculous things mm. or um they do they do um and you know i think they raised a couple thousand yeah. which is cool i yeah. mean it, it's nice that they do that somebody bought a uh, uh like a, is it a bread roll that um <laughs> sausage <laughs> a sausage roll that one of the doctor so and is on the way home. yeah they they, <laughs> yeah, they paid money for charity for a sausage roll that sophie ordered at half eaten and and then yeah nick said they kind of got hungry on the way home and just I, I wasn't at that convention. The story has passed into legend. We, we know we know the person in question, and he's a bit strange. Didn't Sophie Aldred have to? Um, she's one of the the 
the companions from the 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 last era the last of, the, of the last companion really yeah uh, before it finished but she came back in the most recent um, episode which was very very good but didn't she have a there a story where, where wasn't she having to do some sort of eating competition at a convention Something like that, yeah. and she got she got stuck like one of it was a donut eating competition and she got oh, she some, got that was one of her. I think it might have been one of her first world conventions yeah. or something. And she she nearly she nearly choked to death on stage. Oh dear! That's on that's on the Blu-ray. There's a yeah. video yeah. footage of that. Nearly choking. Quite, not to, not to mention she nearly she, she nearly drowned filming yeah. an episode of Doctor Who, which where she was um she was in a uh, she was uh, it was a cliffhanger where she's in a tank. Well, they're underwater, and sh- and she gets trapped in something, and the the door comes down, and it starts to flood, and in real and in real life, the glass started to crack, and which would have meant water all over electricity, and she would have been electrocuted. Luckily, Sylvester McCoy saw what was happening and said, "Turn the light, turn, turn the power." Say, luckily, Sylvester McCoy was electrocuted. No, <laughs> no I didn't say that. <laughs> not say that, listeners. Um, if this if this bit gets used, I did not say that. No, but he saw that something was happening, and he got them to turn the power off, and she was winched out of the thing. But she could have. So poor, poor Sophie. Oh, yeah, frightening. <laughs> suffering. Talk about suffering throughout. But it's funny how how um, certain things, like I remember when I watched that, that was so much more powerful. <laughs> when I watched that, I knew that had happened. Yeah, and and, and it made it. I was I was scared for Sophie and, and excited about the episode, so it was double. It, it was it had double the impression, which somebody just watching it off would just think, "Oh, it's someone's." Well, there's another of our friends is actually both excited and because uh, uh, um, for another reason, because Sophie ought to be getting wet in that costume was got got got, got, <laughs> that's got, got her all unnecessary. That's something completely different. <laughs> I but, uh, uh, yeah, I was talking. I was thinking about this the other day, or thinking about it that. People always say that spoilers are a bad thing, but sometimes, particularly on films where, like slasher films, where people get attacked and you think, oh, yeah, they're going to survive this because they always survive it. But the most recent Scream film, Scream 5, or it wasn't called that, it's called, just called Scream, but they were killing off one of the one of the established characters. Well, yeah. But I had I had kind of got bored waiting to see it because I wasn't quite sure when I was going to see it. And I... And I kind of wandered onto Wikipedia and I'd read the spoiler that this character was killed off. And when I so when I did see it at the cinema, it was actually much more effective because I think if I'd have watched it, I'd have thought, oh, yeah, they'll just, he, he's going to be OK. They're always OK. And, and I would have missed the moment. But because I knew this was it, when it was coming up, I was like, oh, no, he's going to go. Oh, dear. And, it's not and the, cute, it's, the cute kid. You always think, you, you always see in films, cute kid, are they going to survive? It would be lo- lovely if they were killed off in the first five minutes. Actually, <laughs> so actually sometimes I think so, the, right spoil, the right spoilers actually make you appreciate what's coming up. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's strange. Um, do they do cabarets at the sort of conventions you go to? I think the closest they come to that is their ma- what they call their masquerade. Oh. And I'm just specifically talking about Farpoint because, frankly, it's the only one I've been to multiple yeah. times now. But that, uh, the, and masquerade is essentially a costume contest where the, co- the people who do cosplay show off what they've created. Mm. And there's awards and things. And part of that is usually a couple of paid performers. This time they had a stand, two stand-up comics, probably from New York City, 
and both of them did their entire routine based on Star Trek. And one one was really good and really funny, and one was just okay. But anyways, I think that's the closest to that at least this convention gets. They sometimes do, do, do it at ones we went to, didn't they? Well, they did. Anthony Ailey did yeah. a, a whole cabaret act, didn't he, with corny jokes and... Was it, did he do magic or something? He did magic. It was a little bit obvious because you could see, if you looked at... There was a mirror behind him and you could see him doing all the, all the, all the business. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, put that mirror behind him? <laughs> there was also... Because he, he um, had a few jibes at the production team because he fell out with the producer... And the and the producer's partner, who was a dancer, saying, "Actually, I saw his last show. At least I hope it was his last show." He <laughs> 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 was a bit freaky, wasn't he, Anthony? Andy? It was. It was. Yeah. Had a, but then it was because he played a baddie. So sometimes it was a thing where it kind of transferred off. Yeah, the, the, the edges between slipping in and fiction out. started to yeah, blur a little bit. Slipping yeah. in and out of character, uh, <laughs> and if you, if oh. you met. If you met him in the hallway, he'd still be he'd be he'd be still the master. Yeah. He'd be the master. <laughs> like, yeah, he, like ten years after he'd last played him or whatever. Oh, and here's the you know the last thing I'll say about conventions, and this is conventions of all types. I'm I'm quite convinced. Doesn't matter if it's a leather convention full of gay men who love to dress in leather, or dark shadows, or Farpoint. <laughs> One of the main reasons. They go is to hook up and have a sexy night of fun uh, <laughs> with some anonymous partner. I know this is true because I've seen it. I've seen it. They, after everything is done on the main night where they do masquerade, that's their main thing. Because not not a whole lot happens on Friday. Not a whole lot happens on Sunday, but Saturday <laughs> they have a lot, and the finale is the masquerade and then there's a dance somewhere you know music and booze and people lap up that booze and inhibitions are loosened this is what and... i from all those years when i was <laughs> in my yeah. i would have loved to have gone to something like that <laughs> no i'm serious and then you know the the hooking up commences uh and and there there are people uh, that come every year and throw a toga party where they say, just take, rip the sheet off your bed and come to our room. You know, and that's all they're wearing. And, of course, hijinks ensue, and it's just a merry old time because then the party continues in that room. And I I just know this this is one of the main, main reasons this happens. I'm sure uh, happened. They just didn't happen to us. Uh, I know. It would have been... Nick, have Nick been and I would return, retire, would retire to our, well, our, our shared twin room and um, and, and, and talk, and talk yeah, to, that's to trouble. We, 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 we always stayed in rooms with friends, you know. Yeah. You couldn't really take someone back to your room. Not that, we, not that also, have, I was ugly as sin in those days anyway, off. which probably didn't help. Not that uh, not that we you ever approached... Neither of us were ever approached by somebody saying, no. uh, would you like to? <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was hijinks though. There was a Doctor Who convention in um, Swindon, uh, which uh, we, 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 I stayed overnight to, and um, the it had Doctor Who in, in these kind of metal words that you you pin on a board, you know, like mm. the single letters and the naked up. And um, someone got drunk one night and and changed it around to Doctor Whores. <laughs> um, 
which we got a, a firm rap on the on, on the knuckle from the MC the next morning. It wasn't anything to do with us, but you know, it was a, you know, we won't be invited back. Sure enough, we weren't invited back. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we, I t- we talked about it before about how well, one of our our friends, who's an actor, no longer with us, Michael Sheard, who was in Doctor Who and all sorts of programmes, including things like Star Wars. and Indeed, he was uh, Hitler in the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And, and he was a very ni- nice man. And he was one of the few people who would stay beyond the cabaret mm-hmm. to the disco and would be, like, making sure everyone was having a good time yeah, at the disco yeah. and joining in on the dance floor. And they, we're not talking about a guy in his 30s, talking about a guy in his 50s Six, or 60s. 60s. You know, he, he was about a good 30-plus years yeah, older than us. But he had a lot of energy, oh, yeah. and, and he'd, he'd also played a school teacher in a show called Grange Hill, um, a, t- a kids' programme, and was kind of well-known to our generation as as this this sort of... Um, fierce teacher as well as all these characters in Doctor Who yeah, and he, he was just amazing he was down with the kids you know he was, he was on the dance floor as long as we were and he'd be playing he'd always, they'd always play Schools Out for Summer by Alice Cooper when he re- reflecting that character he played and, mm. and um, he did his he did his various different autobiographies and he did one about uh, we got into it yeah we? well, I think we've read I think we might have read our bits on a previous episode but uh but that, that was not, and I think my bit was about being a, being at a convention and sort of cringing when that fan asks that question that always gets asked. What's your favourite story? Yeah, what's your favourite monster? <laughs> um, I just, I have one last question for both of you regarding yes. conventions. Yeah. Um, so both of you have uh, written a book together, for example, mm. and I just wondered. If, if you would ever consider going to conventions, I'm not sure which one would be best, but just using the, the you know, buying a table to sell your books. Have you ever well, considered that? I don't think that. I, I was going to say to Nick, because um, when you went to Farpoint, like some of the earlier ones, they allowed you to do a seminar about pod, about podcasting things, didn't they? Was that, was that a Farpoint? Yes, it was, and yeah, and any anybody who well, yeah, we we this is the first year we didn't do a presentation. Because I don't think that's ever that was ever really in the time we went to conventions. I don't think that was ever really something that members of the public or fans that had the because I guess they when we went to um, conventions most it was sort of nineties and noughties and, and so before podcasts. So I guess now. You would hope that some of these kind of borderline famous podcasts, Doctor Who podcasts that aren't done by big wigs but are done by sort of fans wouldn't mm-hmm. do what you did. But I don't know because I haven't been to enough recent conventions. I must admit, I mean, you know, obviously we, we've between us, although we've we've written the one book together, we've we've written loads of books separately. And um I, I think probably to make it viable, we'd take a cross other you know sort of books that we've had in the past as well to um, but i mean if, if there was interest and if there was a a table and you know and it wasn't too expensive and and they, they you know they wouldn't mind us doing it then well the way it does yeah the way it works at farpoint is if you've got something to sell it almost doesn't matter what it is because the vendor's room 
which is actually a long hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was everybody creating anything you can imagine mm-hmm. that barely had anything to do with science fiction. Mm-hmm. And of course, sure, there were a lot of dealers selling, you know, Star Trek toys and books and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, a lot of them were barely connected in any way they were just somebody crafty who did something clever with something yeah (laughs) and anyways yeah they bought they buy a table and they sit there for the three days and sell as much as they can and and for the people that want to do a presentation the way that works is these go on all day long on saturday and sunday and they have uh, little rooms uh where they they put a sign up that says this is what's happening in this room at this hour and um and people go in and present whatever they're presenting and you know a handful of people go in and and listen or sometimes you know a lot of people go in and listen but that's how that works is that's going on throughout the day um and you may be doing your presentation right when you know wilson cruz is doing yeah. his but um Some things overlap. Yeah. yeah, they used to have things that overlapped or you could I remember we we got told off once, Nick and I, for going by like for going to the cinema during a, a panel. We were kind of I think it was screen two or three or something. Yeah. And, and we were we were kind of like, mm, we've seen this guy, yeah. we're gonna go to the cinema and we got I told think, off oh, you can't miss this sketch. Well, but, but miss, it was about two you can't ninety nine, two thousand and yeah. By that time, we'd gone to enough conventions to know, yeah, you'll we've get seen. that story from that yeah. person. And, and there were certain people I really wanted to see. And we went to a writer's panel, didn't we? What, and that crashed with something else. Yeah, I, I went to a writer's workshop with yeah. um, the late Chris Boucher, who wrote Doctor Who and script edited and wrote for Blake Seven. And um, I particularly want, you know, I, I, I've, I've always admired his work. And, of course, I wanted, and still do, want to get, you know, sort of, that we, we were writing so and um i'm very glad i went to that one i'm, I'm mm-hmm. I, um yeah that's what they call them they call them panels here too yeah, well, yeah. We, we've often sort of joked about oh at a, at a fantasy sutton bark kind of convention or trouble is or Maggie's editor yeah or, or, yeah. or, or, or trouble is the only people who would be in the audience would be people who were on the stage well <laughs> the thing is years ago because my two series the magnet editor and life <laughs> after um, around about 91, Paul joined the writing team and we did do, as part of his, one of his features sketches, um, in 91, we did do a sort of folks com- convention and my my writing partner, Joe, guess, yeah. came along and, and we, did, we did do a question and answer and Paul joined us and did some question and answers. I guess some of the things we've done for the podcast where we've talked about filming or we've talked is, is kind of our fantasy, um, you know, our... It's a kind of convention panel, except that it's going out to listeners rather than also us the book being that we did, Although it wasn't, couldn't be deemed a sci-fi, it did have a quirky fantasy mm. element, which you kind of is left a little bit ambiguous. It's not kind of full-blown aliens, full-blown this, full-blown that. It's actually quite um, mysteriously done, and um, so it isn't completely your plain Jane sort of. Yeah. Uh, and also the two books that I did were novelizations of uh, two other books I did were novelizations of my own of, of stories from my own series. So back in the eighties, nineties, and um, so yeah, there, there is a site. There would be a sci-fi. We, we, but no, if I could get if somebody could find me a table, yeah, lead me to it. You know, we, we, be fun. we probably uh, mentioned it before, maybe, but um, when Nick 
used to do his tape scene RPS. Um, one one day we were in, at a convention and there was a dealer's room and they were selling a copy of RPS, which was well, which was free. Free. It was never meant to be so. It wasn't so, a particularly good issue either. Uh, <laughs> it, it must have been that somebody had got a copy. And it somehow found its way to the dealer's hand, and he was trying to sell it back to the punters. And there was a few of fr- friends of friends of ours who said, "Oh, you know, I'd, I'd raise a complaint about that." I was actually so flattered it was there; I didn't mind a scrap. Um, years later, uh, we've got some video footage of that it, it being there. Years later, I um, uh, uh, that one was going on eBay for about two pounds fifty. Again, it was free when it came out. And the way it's described is, oh, you know, this is how convention fans um, celebrated the show in those days. It made me feel like a museum exhibit. <laughs> um, and I, you know, sort of, uh, oh, you know, uh, or certainly in the glass case. Um, and it was in- interesting, you know, that it, so it's out there. And of course, I'm, at the moment, I'm working on a book with a guy called Alan Hayes, who had his his own tape scene, which was a rather bigger fry than, than mine. Um, and we, we are scouring the world for every single Doctor Who tape scene that ever existed. Um, mm-hmm. My own's in there. Paul's one, a one-off one that Paul did, or two that Paul did here in and there. And many of our friends, ones they did. Um, and we're having a whale of time kind of pulling this whole history together and um, searching out for these tapes, or Prob- what, however many still exist. Probably as I was saying to Nick, whereas... If someone asked me to talk about Sutton Park, which took up eight, eight years of my life almost on a daily basis, I would have anecdotes. Even if I couldn't tell you a day-by-day account, I would certainly have anecdotes because that's a big bit of history. But um, asking me to talk about a one-off tape zine I did 30-something years ago that I didn't repeat mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't listened to for 30 years is a lot harder because it's not such a big part of your life and... Um, and I hadn't thought about it uh, until it turned up in a, in a box sort of thing. So it's harder to kind of think of the anecdotes for the, the one-off things. Similarly yeah. with the films. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I remember them all because I did them, I wrote them, and I, and I, I did them for years. Yeah. Whereas sometimes you, you'll, you'll come across people that were in them and they can't, they can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> they can remember Dilly Squat about being in it. So, oh, um, one of the things I wanted to say before we, we move um, back to... The, uh, the the random questions and things is is that uh, I always one convention I always wanted to go to and I guess it, it's not like quite like Farpoint or like the Doctor Who conventions we went to that was the the Pri forty eight meetups in in Vegas and um, and New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, which I would have liked to have gone to uh, partly because my health that never happened and COVID as well and but you went to one didn't you in in Vegas. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. That, that, that must be weird because that was exactly the, much more like what you were saying because that, that that was lots of shows coming together um, and it's probably the nearest you would have got to being up on stage in a start in a but even weirder because you you're doing a live show in front of the audience, aren't you as well? Yeah, yeah, there's a a videotape of me. Uh, on Facebook somewhere, doing my show, <clears throat> and uh, that that was a lot of fun. They they did a decent job, a very decent job organizing it, and and um, basically all day long, hours one hour was blocked out 
for anybody to basically do their show live. And, you know, most of them took questions from the audience or, or what have you. And those those podcasts were streaming live. So there was a contingent of people at home participating in a chat room. And the chat room was projected onto a screen. So you could even have people live there talking to people at home and answering their questions or whatever. So it was rather well done. And, you know, most people really enjoyed it. And then there were other things, social gatherings like a breakfast or there were organized trips where we would go together to some thing in Vegas, um, et cetera. So all in all, it was, you know, a fun weekend for everybody. Definitely a blurring between listeners who become well-known as listeners as well, like Big Fatty will have uh, listeners who send messages in and they those voices become almost, uh, well, they are an integral part of his of his show and they become as well known that they're, they're slightly different to the people who who lurk or, or uh-huh. don't um engage yeah. Um, yeah. directly uh, that, that, that was the other part of it is is a lot of not just people who did podcasts showed up but listeners showed up yeah. and it was just as much for them um you know and they made you know they made it much more fun um, certain shows facilitate that really well <laughs> and some some podcasters who did their own podcast but have kind of stopped podcasting like um like scotty the aussie battler for instance who, who was also been on well he's been, he, he sent things into you and he was on my show when i i met him in london and um but he's sort of still a regular voice on big fatty sending it so he's sort of not totally gone uh f- from recording but sending messages sort of obviously keep is something he still enjoys doing um, yeah mm-hmm. um but i i think actually one, one thing they didn't quite do which would have been interesting that why well, as far as i know they never did panels like it wouldn't have been interesting if you'd have had a panel with with you and so and so from another podcast and so perhaps hosts of shows who don't necessarily always um, I think it would give some of those, some of those, some hosts of shows are very much, I'm doing my show and maybe I have my friend who, who, who is also a podcast who's on my show, but they don't necessarily integrate across perhaps the whole channel or they don't, they're not like a big fatty uh, in that, in that way. And, and doing a panel where you're on stage with five other podcasters, perhaps of shows you don't even listen to, you might hear some things that, Actually, that would be quite interesting, and the and the people in the audience might think, "Oh, it's really good to have Toppy and and and, and Taffy and da, 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 uh, all on one stage answering questions together." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that ever happened. Well, it did um, because there. Uh, what what tended to happen is people would get together and and decide to to do exactly that and there'd be uh, a group of podcasters who never podcasted together all up there doing a one hour thing so it, it did happen yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i think it's slightly slightly uh um different because if you i don't know how often they do it 
when you're at a convention and because because we went to conventions that were just Doctor Who, but we also went to conventions that were um, a little bit Doctor Who, a little bit Blake Seven, or a little bit or, or we did do a, do a few the odd convention where it was more like a or cult TV convention, or so you might get people who are on completely different shows up on stage. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas at a Doctor Who convention, everybody has got that connection that they were somehow involved in Doctor Who, even if they were involved in Doctor Who it, in different eras of the show and, and never actually had met before until that convention. Uh, mm-hmm. they, and- they do something on the Blu-ray releases of, of Doctor Who where they and I, I sort of sort of borrowed from an idea there was a tv program we had um uh over here where people would watch tv this week's tv they the, the different households would be watching it and they would be they would film them them commenting and, and it would make for sometimes quite good tv mm-hmm. and they started doing that with the doctor who blu-rays where they have perhaps four different groups uh-huh. they might have the the doctor and the companion who are in the, the episodes on that blu-ray but they'd have also a past another, doctor can, yeah a past yeah. Or, or future yeah. depending on what era it is uh so you might um yeah, you might have an 80s doctor who companion uh you so you might have a 60s doctor who companion watching an 80s era and going gosh they had better budgets then or or or, we, or well, vice versa cases, or yeah. got some new new yeah like people yeah. Who, who are actually who actually kinder about the show than than some of the 80s ones <laughs> well there are the thing the, the, with the current show there are probably a lot more people who are our age who um grew up liking the old show and are now excited to be involved in the current show um, so they may already have come with a sort of affection for the old show, even if even though they're in the much more higher budget. Um, mm-hmm. There was a guy, yeah. particularly um, the, well, the one I bought um, at Christmas time, or well, Jen um, Ali bought for me, uh, was for with the John Pertwee season from 1971, and um, they, they had the introduction of the Master, and uh, it has the the very up, the, the very latest Master, um, who's uh, sort of his late thirties. Um, watching the very first one, and he, he's he's actually really fascinated to see the beginnings of that character. Because mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you do your own research, I don't know how much they would uh, they would kind of say, oh, just make it your own. They don't necessarily want you to be too yeah. influenced, so unless you do your own research. Sometimes you hear where they where like the new person playing the Doctor might be allowed to watch tapes of the old Doctors um, just to kind of see get a feel for Mm -hmm. because with the doctor they'd enter now and again you'll have perhaps a new and a a later doctor exhibiting certain traits that are familiar to the audience all of that he's he's done something that's very third doctorish or 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 he's done something very tom bakerish or he's done um Sometimes it helps the actors to kind of show that it's meant to be the same person. Matt Smith was very influenced by Tim the Sidemen and Patrick Chowton's uh, yeah. performance, uh, mm-hmm. which is why we got a sort of Chowton-esque yeah. doctor with him. Mm-hmm. So, yes, right, well, we'll do a few would-you-rather questions before we say goodbye. I don't know if we've done any of these with you before, uh, Toppy, but we have Nick. Nick and I have. Um, so yes, the the first one is: Would you rather move to a new city every month, or stay in the same location for your entire life? Mm, 
That's an easy one for me. <clears throat> Stay in one location. It's an easy one for me as well because I've done it. Done exactly that. And um, so, yeah, I thought I certainly thought that um, that, that Nick would say that because you have always. Mm. Uh, you, you've moved around a little bit more uh, though, Toppy, haven't you? Not really. I mean, uh, my only moving around was uh, born in Pickle Hollow. After college, left Pickle Hollow. 30 years later, came back to Pickle Hollow. The only other place I lived was Rochester, New York, for those 25 or 30 years or whatever. So, no, I haven't moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm, In fact, I'm living right now on the same road I grew up on. And two doors down from the parents, the home that I grew up in. So. It's same as I mean, I, I, we moved back to the area that I grew up in in ten years ago, and literally, um, I, I walked down the street. We walked down, down the hill that I went to school. Uh, you know, I walked up to, to school. We would go past my old school, and um, I, the pub I put up with, put up to, put up at, should I say. Um, as I was there last night, was um, is the pub I spent the first ten years of my life living next door to. So hmm. when I go, go go and accompany the the people on a fag break, um, as I am I'm inclined to do, um, I look up at my uh, my old home and I because I, I used to be able to see the the courtyard of the pub from my bedroom and hmm. uh, and I always knew it was terribly late because the, the courtyard light would be off. <laughs> A bit yeah. past 11. I mean, I have I have um, lived in other places, but I haven't lived in that many other places. My parents still live in the same house that they built in 1975. Uh, I still come back to Salisbury all the time to see them and to see Nick. Um, I, I went to Birmingham for university uh, and then I moved to Surrey and I've stayed within you know, 10, 15 miles of that town. So I've stayed in Surrey um, and my, I've stayed in the same flat for over 20 years. So, but I, I feel like uh, I, in a, in a, I would have been up for moving around more. But then also, once I made friends in Surrey, I was kind of like, well, I I, I like these friends. I, I don't want to go somewhere else when I have to make new friends. It's not that easy to, you know, the, the first job I had in Camberley was where I met Callum. Uh, and I met Wifey Joe and a number of other people, uh, and I've never had a job that was as good for friend making friends. I'm still in touch with a number of people from that job. The next job was was I was in touch. I stayed in touch with a few. The next job, you know, less and less. The jobs I've had less and less, um, even though there's been the potential for it. When I worked in smaller towns like where I met Callum those were the friendships where, where you sort of saw them more when when I started working in London everyone lives as a lot more scattered they come you come to the central area of, of London and do your job and then you go back and everybody can be completely different parts of, 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 of within a certain radius but it's not quite so easy as having friends who live in the same town and so mm -hmm. like with unique with living in, having a job in Salisbury there's potential that you could socialize with people from that job if you wanted to but well, they I might do. just live down the road yeah the thing is a friend of mine asked me a few years back now when uh, you know because she, she's getting itchy feet and wanting to move to another city mm -hmm. I just said don't you ever have the urge to don't you want to leave you know, to spread your wings or I said no because I, I like to keep in touch with people if, if I stay where I am people know where I am Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, you know, I can't, there is, 
virtually no part of Salisbury that doesn't have a memory for me because I've been here for, well, my family moved here 55 years ago, uh, just before I was born. And um, the, the the one thing I would say is, uh, as an alternative, uh, flipping on its back as an alternative, I do wonder what life would have been like if we had stayed in Bromley, because we, we moved from Bromley in, in Kent in mm-hmm. 1968, when I was, just before I was born. Now, I actually went there in 2016 because I was very, very curious to see the road where my parents and sister spent the 60s mm-hmm. and throughout the 60s, from 60 to 68. And um, yeah, I went there, it was a lovely area, and I, I saw the, the, the place where my sister grew up. And um, and I did wonder, you know, if my dad hadn't um, wanted to give up office work and study nursing and remember our, our associations with Salisbury go back to the war because my, my aunt is a pharmacist at the hospital I work now now in, um, it will be it in a more reduced form. But um, and so he'd always had an established a, a sort of a liking for Salisbury. Which, mm-hmm. which, and the hospital has been there since the war. So it was, uh, he went here, he moved here to study nursing <laughs> and it all went horribly wrong and he had a breakdown. And so if he had stayed where he was, maybe he wouldn't have had a breakdown and maybe we wouldn't have, but then Salisbury wouldn't be on my map. So uh, it's, it's a catch 22. But then, but yeah, it's but a fascinating I mean, alternative. Yeah, it's not, it's not entirely impossible that things could have been different for me because. My dad was offered a job in Salisbury, but they lived in High Wycombe, which was much closer to London. And uh, that's where both of them met. So if we hadn't come to Salisbury or the job had been somewhere else, we might be somewhere else. But that was, again, that was um, a little bit before I was born um, we, that we moved, we moved to this area. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not saying I don't have regrets, for example. I really 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 wish that I would have been bold enough not to go to college but to go and move to New York City and give it a shot because I feel like I would have been at the center of where comic books were being created Hmm. Uh, it was before rents went way out of control I would have had probably a protected rent protected apartment somewhere and i think i could have seriously devoted years to becoming getting good enough to be a professional comic book artist and i really think that's where i would have headed and i think i probably would have gotten into the business but that never happened and i never did go and but it's still a regret you know one of the things that uh, i came across nick when I was doing one of those episodes where I used the archive material is um, one of the bits I didn't use because it didn't really fit with what, what I was trying to, because the audio messages, they weren't meant to be podcasts. Um, but if you go through them, you can sort of, you can t- sculpt them into something. And, you know, whereas you might be, t- somebody, you might be talking about some, something and then they stick a, a song on or they change the subject and then they come back to it. Um, the power of podcasting is that you can chop out all the bits that aren't, aren't relevant and make it look like the conversation was all about music in the first place or whatever. <laughs> um, and and um, you, you were talking about your then engagement and that mm. uh, there was the potential that uh, you might have been offered a job in Holland. I can't imagine, oh, yeah, I can't no. imagine Nick being in Holland. I don't no, think you no, could imagine I, it then. I, I, I think it's, there was this, her cousin, my then fiance's cousin, 
had a, a daughter called Doreen Ellen, who uh, my parents used to go over regularly to Bristol and and um, meet up, you know, and and, and visit the the family, and um, and we used to be sat through hours and hours and hours and hours of Doreen Ellen. She was only two at the I time. I sort of remember that myself when I came to visit. I'm on Facebook with this, this cousin who's her mother. Her mother and she, there are still pictures of endless pictures of Doreen <laughs> Ellen, but she, who's now obviously over 30. And um, she, she actually did a cover. She was a model. She became a model, mm. and she. Uh, um, I, I went. I was at her second birthday, but she she did a, a almost like a Vogue thing with with a, like a Bristol, mm. uh, the Bristol beauty, you know, and she, mm. a good looking girl, but we should grow, grow up to be. But um, yeah. yeah, there was endless one, and I think it was it was part of the sort of you know kind of once we're married, you know, da di da di da, and and I think the, the this family, which is now I think back in Bristol, were based in Holland. And um, they, I think they, I have vague memories of the, you know, they were, oh, you never know, they can set you up with a job in Holland. But you're quite right, I, I can't imagine myself in Holland for in a million years, but there was all sorts of possibilities flying around about that time. Obviously, I had a relationship uh, with somebody from America who came over here, but um, um, I, 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 I don't know what the situation would have been had I, had it been suggested that I move over to America. I... I I, I, I can't really imagine that because I'm sort of got too many friends over here to think about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that. I mean, that was sort of before podcasting as well, where it was I'd I'd, uh, I'd say yes, okay, but I have to live next door to Toppy Smelly, please. <laughs> um, and then I'd never see my husband. Well, I don't see him anywhere more again anyway. But I, I, I would I would never see my husband again because I'd be so busy podcasting with Toppy. It, it would have it would have caused um, a lot of problems. Most of it. Mm-hmm. Also, I think he's he's, he's more or less um, uh, he's quite happy living in. He was, uh, well, England. it was never going to happen because he was quite a anglophile. But uh, that's um, one of the reasons he wanted to come over here. But yeah, I mean, I guess it it, it uh, uh, just a switch of circumstance and. and uh, I, there was a time when I don't know about Holland, but there was certainly a time when I was engaged to Tina. That we were, I was looking to move to Bristol. Um, I, I see, you know, it was a serious consideration. We split up in the June, July of that year. It was a bit like thirty years ago, and um, so it never came to anything. But I, I don't think I would have been at all happy moving to Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, another question: uh, Would you rather be stuck in a cave for a day or stuck in an elevator for a day? Sometimes these questions are kind of a bad thing, with it. but I mean, both of those sound pretty bad. Uh, no, got to be cave for me. I think it would be cave uh, for I, me. I, 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 or the sort of, I'd probably take a camera with me and got lots of shots for. Yeah, depends what sort of cave it was. Um, on the other hand, there's uh, the, the film The Descent, where some people <laughs> they go caving and they find all these beasties under, and it's a good. It's a it's a really good creepy film, but um, I, I there are bits when you see people potholing and they're having to squiggle through really you know a really small and the idea of being trapped mm-hmm. like the I don't so I, I I sort of have a you know somewhere like a cave like those caves but they invite people to come and walk around those are very interesting mm-hmm. but some of the ones where it's potholing it depends when I'm with someone yeah uh, if I, if I was with um. A, a pretty company, for example, 
Um, I don't know. bad because you have got very little room. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. What about you, Toppy? Well, so I, I, the the elevator has far fewer unknowns than a cave because yeah. I can't think of. Well, it would be pretty bad if I was in a cave with no light and it was damp and cold. Yeah. That would be bad. Yeah. And I'd really rather be be stuck in a small elevator because small spaces don't really bother me. Mm. And I think I'd much rather have that than being in a cold, dark place. Now, I can envision a, an elevator that totally loses power and there's no light either. But I'm sorry. I at least know that there's four walls and a ceiling protecting <laughs> me from something awful. <laughs> Okay, no, scary, uh, no scary monsters uh, like yeah. down in caves or just, yeah. you know, just in that film. But there we go. My only retraction would be if the elevator was hanging by a thread. <laughs> then that would be a different story. Yeah, if it was towering inferno or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll take the game. I mean, if I had my phone, plenty of battery, I'd just uh, catch up on podcasts or uh, <laughs> do some recording and do some editing. No. Um, now, um, Probably the last uh, the last one for today because we've we, we've uh, um, uh, been talking for quite a while, completely out of order. So it's difficult to take <laughs> it out of the recording. Uh, but would you rather have a song that you hate stuck in your head or an itch you can't reach for a year? Um, I guess that's is that the song for a year? I guess that's the song and the itch. I, so neither. Um, I, I I mean uh, both Toppy and I have done episodes about. Um, um, uh, like earworms and things, we both took a different take on it. Um, but so I guess that's what the so would you rather, but, but would you rather have an earworm that was awful, of a song you hated stuck in your ear, stuck in your head, or, or an itch? Itch is a, I could, I, you know, itch is a, annoying at the best of times. But, uh, I'm itching as we speak. I mean, I've had an album <laughs> for over a year now which is they they think is probably gluten intolerance but i in without a so you've had this damage, so i've actually had it so <laughs> i'll go for the earworm I've, I've i've had it with itching so I, I i will definitely go for the earworm i i have to i have to put up with um uh, earworms i don't like anyway because my colleagues listen to absolute drivel on the radio democracy <laughs> in our, our office whatsoever well pretend, pretend mock democracy uh-huh. Can't democracy, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So uh, I, it's it's but both. I, I've suffered both in my times. So. Oh boy! Well, I am very susceptible to uh, repeating songs that I hear. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's just somebody in the next car on their radio, <laughs> or whatever. You know that song will be repeated in my head for definitely the rest of the day uh, because I'm a silent whistler I do uh, <laughs> oh, yes. you know and I'm doing that and then I just it just I just repeat it over and over and over and over uh, that doesn't drive me crazy even if it's a song I don't like although I occasionally catch myself saying stop just stop <laughs> to myself uh, there is nothing quite so uh, annoying and awful as an itch you can't it you can't scratch. Oh no, thank you, no thank you, ma'am. I'll take the earworm. <laughs> I, I have a um, 
uh, I, I, it's, it's become like uh, you have to be careful with you have to be careful with itches if you don't you can as well if you scratch too much you can give yourself infections and things um, but uh, um, or you don't realize how badly you've scratched um, but I have um, I have a shoehorn it was meant to be a shoehorn for my Kia it's perfect as a back scratcher it's yeah perfect. Thanks to it. I don't use it as a shoehorn, um, but I, I definitely, um, yeah, I'm feeling itchy now talking about it. We should probably yeah. stop. Um, we, have, we have a back scratcher, which is perfect as a back scratcher. <laughs> well, I'd like to have a, I would like we to know. We bought it in Wales in 1980, and it's, yeah. it's, it's been a permanent fixture. The, the itch is that back scratcher I must have seen. Oh. <laughs> well, so um, I, can, I count uh, as one of my most valuable possessions this object I have in my hand right now. It's wooden. And somebody carved, it's a wooden stick, basically. Somebody carved a kitty head on one end, and the other end, somebody carved a cat's paw. And it's meant to be a back scratcher, and it's a lifesaver. <laughs> it's a lifesaver. Scr- you scratch with? Yeah. You scratch with the paw? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of a back scratcher until there was an episode of from about 1970s um, of the Dick Emery show, which is a comedy show. And um, they, they did an episode filmed abroad and one character bought a back scratch. And I thought, oh, wow, I've never seen, never seen one of those before. And the end yeah. of those on, on the Dick Emery show was actually quite savage. You know, there's, there's a claw, real clause. Um, well, um, this is, we hope you're not itchy listening to this episode. But we're going to have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, thank you to Nick, thank mm-hmm. you to Toppy for um, talking about these random words and mm-hmm. would you rather's and convention experiences, mm-hmm. and uh, hope to get you back together again soon. Hey, it's been it's been it's been a gas. Yeah. Thank, thanks again, Toppy. Thank you. Take care, Nick. Yeah, thank you. And your good self. We'll speak to you Until again next time. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Stevens has died from yeah. the side of the Oh yeah, she's the one that was with Ernest Borgnine and she dies That's, at the very end. Yeah, she she, she died yesterday. So, yeah. Uh, I, I I like to I also like to in a, a American soap called Flamingo Road, which was um back in the day. Um I had, to, I had a bit of a crush on her uh, that and Poseidon actually. She's very sexy in Poseidon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've noticed um because it goes well. It's it's you you would have to expect it, but a lot of the sh- a lot of the people that I think of as stars, yeah, um, you know, were probably twenty years older than me, and it's come to the point where they're all dying. It's very true. I mean, we you know we 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 were lucky to have Ernest Borgnine as long as we did. And a lot of them, you know, because Sunday Adventure is one of my great favourite films. I, I watched it over the new year 
to tie in with the, the 50th anniversary, but I actually watched it in real time. So when they say Happy New Year, it was actually New Year. And then um, I had to stand outside his flat with his big hose pipe and, and uh, flooded his, his flat. And, uh, and then, he had, then he had to restart the ventilation stuff. Well, well, and my, my timeline was a bit lost because there was a bit of faff at the beginning <laughs> with the channels. So we had to fast forward through one scene, I think, to, to catch up. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, it, it pretty well worked quite well. And we were all um, wide awake at sort of nearly two, two o'clock when the film ended. I've got to go now! I don't care! Bye! I want to sit down with you! Yes. Gotta go! Bye! Goodbye! 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 Good, but yeah, definitely time to come home now. Wow, really? No kidding. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com. <laughs> What's going on now? Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. Um, this isn't the first time I've realized it, but I've just been reminded of how my podcast has become my journal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, because, a, a big part of it is, is doing a personal journal and recounting something that happened. And I just was reminded that all that's preserved now for the last over, you know, 12 years or whatever it's been 14, I don't know. And, um, I just realized, yeah, that's, that's. That was that's been my uh, diary. Is my right. podcast? Yes. And certain stuff and bark was a form of diary because sometimes, obviously, a lot of the times it was completely, uh, you know, ridiculously not my real life. Um, and, and, but there were things or people that would come into it. Yeah. You know, that I would have a party scene, and it would have been from a real party, or or I would You're have taken my camera into university. I know I was. You'll looking, come and see me in the shop. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. and there I am as I was be dressed. At yeah. The time. Uh, um, did, I, did I record in your shop? <laughs> no, just outside. Oh, I was outside. So yeah. I think the, one of the last ones we yeah. copied was. Uh, yeah. or you, you meet me at lunch. I, I, I was watching. I meet like, Paul for lunch. Yeah. And do some I was watching some something from sort of the sort of the early summer of '95. I'd obviously taken my camera in because we were doing our finals. And it was probably the last time I was going to see some of the people, so I recorded uh, us hanging out in the coffee room and stuff, and and, and that 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 was that was for uh, memento's sake rather than. Um, but you know, Paul, the character, was a student in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and, um, so yeah, there were the I go in and out of fiction in the same way as I do on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's yeah you just have to remember which bits weren't real. <laughs> 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 okay. uh, that jelly monster, you didn't really have a friendship with that jelly. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he was a jelly, you ate him. Five minutes after that scene. Oh my God, there's nothing I like better. 
is when another new episode of the Shy Life Podcast comes out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, it's like he puts out 20,000 episodes a month. I don't know, but sometimes this show is really weird. Wow, that was a good episode. Six hundred and forty-nine. So, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, uh, I feel very morningy at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm waking up. I'm feeling pretty good. I just say, yeah. Sorry, got the arrival of um, the arrival tea. of tea, um, uh, oh, which which, which doesn't stop us recording, but we're just it's uh, just arriving. I'm blue, aren't I? Yes, you. I'm blue. Um, Hang on, there's a map there. Hello, Matt. You don't want rings, that's why. Rings. rings. That's right, I'm always telling Ali that, no, 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 no